acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wooden. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, Ben, I want to start this podcast with a question. All right, Scott. Who invented the automotive assembly line? Ah, yes, I do love questions and answers like this, because if you are the majority of people in the world, you will say, Henry Ford, of course. How else could the Model T become so popular? That's right. And I would be willing to guess that uh, when I asked that question, I bet about 95, 99% of our uh, um, our audience said, in their head, Henry Ford. Or at least something like that. I yeah. think it was Henry Ford. Yeah. And you know who would have a huge problem with that probably is – Fellow by the name of Ransom Eli Olds. That's right, Oldsmobile, the founder of Oldsmobile. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, you know, little known fact, uh, he is actually the one who came up with the the first automotive assembly line. However, it wasn't automated in the way we see Henry Ford do that. Sure, absolutely. Uh, also, sidebar, uh, posthumously inspired a uh, little band you've heard of called REO Speedwagon. Oh, yes, very good. But I, I don't think he nice, knows uh, that pop he did culture that. reference there, there we from go. Uh, yeah. well what seventies all, all angles yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah so the, these are different um, in terms of the application and the nuance but if we're tra- talking just in terms of the raw concept Ransom Eli Olds invented the assembly line correct yeah and you know what he's here's the thing that he invented the automotive assembly line ah uh, yes the very important assembly line it's a, it's a, an important right. yeah, the yes. distinction is very important because assembly lines have been around for a long long time mm-hmm. prior to that it was just sure. used in other things like maybe um you know a slaughterhouse exactly that's one um and that's where Henry Ford actually oh actually is it Ransom or Henry got his idea from that? I think. Uh, Ford I th- applied that. Yeah, I think he got that. Uh, he, he. Well, we'll talk about that. In we'll a talk. We'll get it. But um, you know, if going way back, I mean, a lot of other things were made on an assembly line, and, and mm-hmm. what that really means is, if you want to break it down into the, the most simple, like the simplest way to say this sure. is that um, everybody's responsible for one 
part of the the overall assembly. There is a division of labor. Yes, resulting exactly. in a single product. You don't take a you know a bunch of parts and make one entire product, package it, and send it. You know, put it aside, mm. and that one's done. You're taking you're receiving something that's already been you know started or yeah. or um, had, there's some kind of base for you to start to work on. And you you apply one part and you mm. pass it along. You do the front left door assembly, for instance. A part, probably more likely a part of a front left door assembly, mm-hmm. or uh, that part of all four doors, and then it's on down the line, man. Keep it moving. That's right. Yep. So it's uh, you know, you do your your small part, very important part, mm-hmm. but um, you know, overall, you don't have you don't have to build the entire car from uh, you know, ground you know the the right. ground level up, um, like they did in the past. It, you know, on a hand built car, mm-hmm. um, often you got a team of you know however many people it takes to put the entire thing together from beginning to end. Craftsmen's artists, uh, craftsmen artisans. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, now let's also th- this is interesting. When we started uh, talking about this and doing some research on this, one thing that blew me away is the historical context may be lost on a lot of people because there is no one living today. That was born before assembly lines became the norm in manufacturing. Really? Well, well, the norm in manufacturing across the world, like there was, there's no one alive today who, I, I think, if they are, I hope they're listening and will write in. Um, but there's no one alive today who was alive when it was not normal. I understand. For an assembly line. I, I, I guess maybe the spread of it. So we have, we have to think about how difficult it is to build a car in general, even with a very innovative system like an assembly line. And we have to think about the way every other industry worked for a long, long time. Even if you were, I think the example used in the article is making hats. Mm-hmm. True. If you're yeah. a haberdasher or a milliner, I think they use the phrase. Uh, these people, for a long time, everything from a hat to shoes to uh, a horse-drawn coach mm-hmm. uh, was built often painstakingly by people who had to spend years learning the entire trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from beginning to end. And we couldn't have, we could never have sold affordable cars if it were not for the assembly line. No, that's right, because it, it's it's so expensive to. Train somebody to do that, and the co- you know the the manufacturing costs are just, are exceedingly higher uh, because you know the efficiency is is lower uh, in that you can't turn out as much product with mm-hmm. as few employees. Yeah, um, and there's there's a I'm sure that there's a uh, a balancing point here, you know, for this. But mm-hmm. you know, as efficiency goes up, you know, let's say that you've you brought in uh, this more efficient system, you know, okay. where you know before you're making items one at a time, right? Um, now you've brought in this idea that, you know, we're going to have three or four people doing this and it's going to make it much quicker. We'll just pass it down the line until it's done and we'll package it and ship it and it's done. Um, your efficiency goes up. Your manufacturing costs go down. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe three or four people is the wrong way to say this because we're yeah. talking about automobiles where you've got, you know, hundreds of people employed, right, if not thousands. Yeah. And you can buy parts in greater numbers. So you have an economy of scale. Down. Yeah, exactly. So the manufacturing costs go down. Well, the price for consumers will go down at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. for the end product because you can sell that cheaper and more competitively in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, you know, the people that can benefit from that, their quality of life goes up. Mm-hmm. So um, this, you know, this this idea that, um, you know, Henry Ford and Ransom Olds and, you know, the others in the early automotive industry, um, this idea kind of 
brought forth um, well, the middle class, really. I mean, it was kind of the basis for what we call the middle class now. A is bold that, statement, Mr. Benjamin. It, it is. I agree. It is because the employees were making a fair wage You know, yeah. at this point. Because remember, Henry Ford had this, was it $5 a day wage that he was paying? Right. Was, he refused to pay less. Yeah, yeah. He Chicken, paid a living wage. Thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was a, an idea that everybody could get by on what they were, you know, mm-hmm. comfortably mm-hmm. on what he was paying. Um, and, you know, you got affordable transportation, so you can now get out right. of the city yeah, on the yeah, weekends. Yeah. And we've talked about all this in the past, yeah, you right? can have any color model to you want, <laughs> as long as it's black. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, your favorite line, right? And then, it uh, is, yeah. It, it is, yeah. The, um, and, and, you know, the idea that, you know, you could, you could have some of the things that up until that point were reserved for the wealthy. Sure, like, uh, you could have the, yeah, and that's, that's a really good point, Scott, because prior to this, prior to, uh, a Ford Model T being assembled in 90 minutes mm-hmm. from stem to stern, and then that means every three minutes a new car was coming out wow. down the line. Prior to that, there were just – there were so few cars mm-hmm. that they were uh, obviously luxury items. Yeah, to yeah the, because – To the point where the income of a small rural town – Collectively might not be enough to buy a car. Well, sure, because you would have to go, you know, you'd have to go to a coach builder. Right. You have to order a, a vehicle built and they'd say, well, we're building one for, uh, you know, Stan Smith in the town next door. You'd probably have to get the motor somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to get the motor from somebody else. They would do the coach work. Mm. Um, you know, it would all be custom, of course, but it's very, very costly. Mm. Um, and prior to this, that's, that's basically what it amounted to. Or, you know, you'd have a small factory that would build Ten cars a year. Yeah, that would you know th- it wouldn't necessarily be custom, but you know you get your car when you're you're next in line, and if we have one available this year. And those those coach builders are still around. For folks who are who are wondering, why do you guys say coach builders? We're not being pretentious. That that's the term because these. Um, I think in the UK where we would say custom, uh, they would say bespoke or something. So mm-hmm. the in the in this kind of industry, these things got the name coach builders because they were taking motors, they were ordering motors, and they were putting those motors on actual coaches, mm-hmm. right? That's correct, yeah. And so they still call themselves, some of these companies still refer to themselves as coach builders or are referred to, and those are the uh, very high-end, uh, quality, customized, bespoke, what what have you, mm-hmm. car companies. Those are the Ferraris, for instance. Yeah, sure. There's still certain models of Ferrari that are mm-hmm. built all by hand. There's uh, Bugattis that are built by hand. Point, There's yeah. Lamborghinis that are built by hand. Even and, here in the States, even parts of cars are still built by hand because um, in the article we mentioned the Corvette engine mm-hmm. uh, built by hand, at least at the time the article was. I don't know if it still is or not, but right. uh, built by hand. And then that's added to the car, which is built on the assembly line. Um, I know that the Vipe Dodge Viper engine's built by hand. It's not really done on the assembly mm-hmm. line like the other engines are. Um, it's a separate line within the mm-hmm. plant that builds other engines. Um, and then it's shipped to a facility where they put together the Viper by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's just, there's all these different combinations the way this happens now. And even now in, uh, even b- in big manufacturing facilities where they put together entire vehicles, let's say that, um, I'm just going to make one up here. Let's make say, one up. Uh, the Chrysler Sebring. All right. Let's uh, say we're we're at our hypothetical Chrysler Sebring. Just for example, factory. Um, and I don't know if this is still the case or not anymore, but I know that at one time they were doing these modular assemblies. I would think that they still would be because it's yeah, very effective. Like where assembly. you would receive the door unit all already built, mm-hmm. driver and passenger, 
And uh, there's a lot that goes into your your doors, believe it or not. If you sure. ever opened up a door, look at all the like, you know, the, the Take wiring, the panel. And the, exactly the glass and the, mm-hmm. uh, the the locking mechanism and all the latches and everything. But it's not painted; it's just a raw assembly that, that arrives there, ready to go. Yeah, they put it, they fit it to the car, um, and then it's all painted. And then sometimes the doors go away. You know, to have the rest because it's easier to put the rest of the stuff in the car without the doors on it. Right. Um, in the past, you know, those were sometimes the doors didn't they were painted separate from the body of the vehicle and they were they didn't the paint didn't always exactly match up. And now it's mm-hmm. it's a much better process. But they've got it all figured out in that, you know, we can bring in these modular units like maybe the dash assembly. Sure. And instead of having somebody put together, you know, at 20 different stations, putting pieces on that dash. We can receive that from the supplier and mm-hmm. put that in as one unit, and that's one station for us. But the supplier handles the rest of it, and it's just shipped to us. Now let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more when we're talking about the modern automotive production line. There, with the standardization and the modular nature of it, mm-hmm. is really key. It's uh, it's something that I don't think we can overemphasize. Mm-hmm. Up to you're you're uh, you're making all my good points here because oh, no. up to the you got me on the middle class, yeah. which I was going to say. Oops. Oh, no, no, it's oh you're such a jerk for being awesome <laughs> at your job. <laughs> sorry, but, sorry. Um, and also the use of modular construction, yes, which leads to a uh, which leads to a profound change here because it helps everybody, not just on the assembly line, but it helps. Other companies or third-party companies, let's say your company that solely makes transmissions, Mm -hmm. it becomes much easier for you to sell more transmissions because, again, we're talking economy of scale if you're selling them to, let's just say, uh, another a car manufacturer that uses your transmissions for multiple car models. Sure. And uh, this is is totally different uh, from – the preceding approaches to these things, and this is one of the innovations that Henry Ford put in, was the standardization, right? Yeah, sure. And we see that today with uh, with chassis. You know, there are, there are a lot of chassis that end up being finger quotes different cars. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of uh, a lot of component carryover between lines of automo- mm. auto- automobiles because. Uh, you know, you may find that the same engine is used in uh, this model that's used in that model, and you may find that the chassis, is the chassis, and the yeah. and the entire underbody is really just the bodywork that's different on this model. Mm-hmm. Um, you find that a lot with uh, well, you know what a good example would be. Um, you know, like how you've ever noticed. I'm sure you have, but you know, Toyota and Lexus. You know, Lexus is like yeah, the luxury yeah, yeah. line of that. Acura and Honda. Acura is mm-hmm. the luxury. Really, you're getting the same kind of car. The same cars, different badges, different interior packages. Oh, sh- oftentimes, sh- Scott, that's stuff they don't want you to know. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's it's it's, it's not true. really well hidden. Really. No, I mean, no, it's, it's pretty apparent on the street. And it's called platform sharing. Yeah, exactly. It's platform sharing, and and everybody does it. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. It's just um, you know, if you want to pay a little more for the Lexus brand name, and you and you want the the creature comforts that come with that, because there may be which know, are substantive. Oh, sure. There's there are options that you just can't get on a Toyota that you can get on a Lexus, or yeah. there's options that you can't get in a, a Honda that you can get in an Acura. Um, and there are other examples of that as well. But what it does is it, it lowers the price of, of everyone's production. Mm. Toyota and Lexus and Acura and Honda uh, all benefit from having shared parts. I'm going to hit you with a curveball, bro. It's a pretty good comparison. All right. All right. Are, do, you ever, do you ever eat fast food, Scott? All the time. Okay. Taco Bell? 
I live on it. Yes, no? Okay. Um, so I had a moment of clarity. I had an epiphany one time when I was at a Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, okay. And I had a bad day. I promise you I'm going somewhere here. Okay. And it's assembly line related. And I was looking at the menu, and the person had asked me what to order. First off, that's bad design in drive throughs if we can talk about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Because you pull up to a drive through menu, they immediately ask you what you want. And if you don't know, then it's really inconvenient for the person there who is not, you know, probably – is probably working a pretty stressful job to begin with, sure. right? And so I'm pulling up. And it seems like there's just this whole panoply of choices, you know. What, uh, what, what the heck is a gordita? Let me figure this out. And they're um, all delicious, by the way. Yeah, and I'm reading this menu, you know, and uh, and I say, actually, can I uh, hang on just a second and figure out? And the the lady on the other side totally goes, and <laughs> just so tired of me. <laughs> and, it, and it's true because you know it's Taco Bell. I should probably already know what's on the menu. Sure. So I looked at it, and this is the point. I looked at it, and I realized. It appears to be a lot of choices, but it's basically the same five to six ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's a, the same half dozen ingredients. And why do they do that? That's because one of the main principles of any successful car company is you must appear, if you're, if you're a, a mainstream car company, you must appear to have many choices for the consumer. Mm-hmm. Even if you're using the same six ingredients. Ah. Very good, Ben. Okay, so sorry that was so no, long. No, 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 that, that worked out well. You drew that together nicely. Yeah, it's, I was a bit worried. It's Scott was giving me the quizzical yeah, eyebrow. Yeah, sure, the, uh, the, the hairy eye there. I didn't know what was going on. Sorry for the monologue, but the uh, but it's funny when we talk about these modern things. So we've established the importance of standardization. We've established the importance of platform sharing, and I want to go back to a point you mentioned earlier, Scott, which was about the threshold mm-hmm. of efficiency. Yes. Do you want to do – should we talk about that? Yeah, some? please do. Okay. So there's – as we know, there has been a lot of unrest in the car-making world, in the industry itself, um, on both the half of the workers and the manufacturers and the people who manufacture the robots that work on a lot of assembly lines. Mm-hmm. You know, how – what is what is the price we pay for efficiency? How many – how efficient should a company become – uh, should it become so efficient that its assembly line is entirely automated? Because is it possible that they could become so efficient that they can't hire people that are paid well enough to buy their cars? You know, which is arguably now we're not going to get into this, so we're, we're still we're still a car show. No, we're, this is not political in any way. Yeah, this is not meant to. Thank you. Scott. No, not at all. But this is this is really a question of math. Mm-hmm. Um. So what are the effects of that? And also, what are the effects of, on workers of working in an assembly line? You spend, what, you spend your 8.5 hours a day, right? Uh, building one part of one machine constantly. Surely, your job is to put the, uh, the third ring on a piston and pass it along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I understand that, the, the, uh, the repetitive nature of what they do. And I think mm-hmm. they, I think, I, this may be inaccurate for everybody, but um, I think that they're trying to switch people around often and give them some variety mm-hmm. uh, because I think you'd just go stir crazy if you had to do that all day long, every day. As, as you know, to be frank, a lot of people have done that for years and years and years, decades yeah. until they retire. Um, nothing wrong with that. It's just that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I think they're starting to realize that, you know, there's, there's, 
you know, something to be said for employees that are a, a bit happier and, you know, that maybe get some variety and kind of uh, get to see a little bit more of the process because maybe they get a better understanding of what they're putting together mm-hmm. um, and maybe can think about different, you know, they, they often ask for suggestions from the line. Yeah. Uh, ways to do things more efficiently, ways that things aren't working, ways that things are working. Um, you know, if you see a problem, stop it. I mean, that's one thing that Toyota and mm-hmm. Lexus are big on is that, you know, you can stop the entire line, which is, uh, it's pretty remarkable really to give it's, the employee the power to do that because it's a very costly thing to do to stop any assembly line. Right. They, there's a cost in terms of seconds, right? Yeah. And seconds, uh, and of course, minutes and hours, they, they really, really adds up quickly. But, uh, their idea is that, you know, stop the problem right here before it gets any worse because it just, mm. it progressively snowballs. It just gets worse and worse. If you spot a problem, fix it now. That's mm-hmm. the way to handle it. And uh, I think other companies are, are adapting to that as well. They said that's the, that is the way to do it. Yeah, it's. A, it, I think it's a work smart approach mm-hmm. because if you look at the short term, yes, you may be losing money potentially by letting someone stop the line. But if you look at the long term, the expenses are much higher. Yeah, and if if you haven't taken a look at a at a modern automotive line recently, mm-hmm. uh, I think you'd be surprised at, at how clean they are, how light. How uh, well lit? The, yeah, they're extremely well lit. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them have, you know, clear panels in the ceiling, skylights mm-hmm. uh, for daylight. Um, they're they're very very clean. They're very well laid out. Very very thoughtfully laid out. They're mm-hmm. not what you would picture. Uh, the old, um, you know, the the films that you see of yeah, yeah. Uh, the Henry Ford Model T factory. It's right. just that's the way it was done at the time. It looks like some dank warehouse. Yeah, and really, you know, honestly, it was. Yeah, it, that's what it was. It was a dank warehouse. It was crowded, and you know mm-hmm. the the. Ergonomics really were not a part of of anything in there, really. I mean, it was it was somewhat laid out so that it was you know you're able to do your job efficiently, maybe not safely. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not safely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's the thing is that you know it's it's come so far now mm. that um you know you look at these things and you'd think that you're I don't know in an operating room, not a place that they're putting together an engine. I read something that this was really cool to me. I read something, I think it was in an article about how to alleviate the possibilities of depression or boredom or whatever uh, among assembly workers that some cars were actually playing cheerful tunes as they went down the line. <laughs> really? Yeah. I uh, wonder how that works. I get, you know, I guess that's after they install the sound system. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> you, funny. That's, I think that's pretty cool. And I also think it's a necessary thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause most people are, incredibly intelligent and natural problem solvers. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of difficult uh, unless you get, you get a Zen like state, you know? Um, Well, I think that it's, it's just human nature. Like you said, for anybody to see something that they think is maybe not right and to question it. I think that's what they're, you know, that's, that's what uh, the modern assembly line is all about Mm -hmm. is that, is that they're trying to do things so efficient that, you know, they're starting to go over their, not just starting; it's happened mm-hmm. for a while. But they're asking employees to, uh, you know, to kind of step up and 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 say what's wrong. Tell us right now so we can fix it and uh, make this a better place for everybody. Really, and auto workers are uh, definitely not unique among industries, but very commendable for the ability to problem solve and to work as a team. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times when you see people working as a team. You see people working as a team of, you know, less than a dozen people. These are like hundreds of people. And, uh, that's not counting the robots. I feel like we could do a podcast just on the automated assembly line. Definitely guys. we could. Yeah. yeah. Definitely we could. And, and we've been, just so you guys know, that's one of the reasons that we've been keeping those guys out of the discussion. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. You know what? I, I want to go back to one quick thing. If we're uh, yeah. if we're kind of wrapping up here, I, I think that this is kind of that's just kind of an interesting little fact that I that I read in this article. Um, we mentioned you know all the different types of assembly lines that there were and and how, yeah. what Henry Ford kind of you know gleaned from that you know he decided this is a good idea. Mm. You mentioned the slaughterhouse. Yes, and somebody may still be scratching their head over that reference, right? I, I don't know. Maybe they haven't read our article, but right. is Ben um, losing it? Is this it, how it begins? No, no, <laughs> but. It, he took that idea, the slaughterhouse idea, he had visited one, in reverse. So let's say that, you know, this is, I mean, it's kind of gross, but, I mean, slaughterhouses where they're disassembling animals mm-hmm. for food. Yeah. He took that idea and ran it in reverse if we assemble my product in the same way that they disassemble these animals for uh, food, yeah. you know, we'll have a finished product. And uh, that's where he got his inspiration, apparently, for the automated line is from a visit to a slaughterhouse. Crazy like a fox. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's pretty nuts. I mean, that he took that idea and, and kind of, you know, built on it and reversed it in his head and said, this is this is where we can go with this. But uh, brilliant. Brilliant, actually. Yeah, yeah that's conceptually. That's, yeah, that's it brilliant. Is. It's very, what, what's the word? It's very forward uh, thinking. Forward thinking in a backward way. Yeah. It's wait. What? I think we've yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never mind. I just thought I'd clear up the yeah. uh, the slaughterhouse reference at the beginning because someone may be uh, Maybe pondering that still. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's why. And uh, I guess we're going to wrap this one up, huh? Yeah, I think so. You got anything? I feel like there's more, but um, there's a lot more. We're yeah. we're, the, we're doing a one hundred and one. Yeah. What it is, why it matters. Yeah. And you know what? I like your idea about the uh, the robotics. I think we definitely need to do one about that. Oh yeah. Well, we precision. Can, yeah. Yes. Oh, never mind. We'll no, no, we got, we got, we got it. Uh, do you want to hear more about automotive assembly lines? The best way to let us know that you'd like to hear more about them is to find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook. Uh, also, I want to hear from auto workers. You know? Definitely. Yeah, if you work on a line now, or if you have worked on a line. Yeah, how has it changed? How is it, you know, if, you, if you've worked on it for a number of years, let's say that you started in the 70s mm-hmm. or in the 80s, mm-hmm. how has it changed since, or even the 90s, how has it changed since the time you've been there? That's what I'd like to know. And how do you feel about those changes? Mm-hmm. So go ahead and let us know what you think. And also feel free to send us a suggestion for a future episode if you'd like. The best way to find us is to email us at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Hello, Clarence. 
am comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.